Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. Amen. Praise God. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. Um, Let me give you a brief update on Randy. Uh, Some of you have written the most beautiful letters, Uh, just amazing letters. Um, I've read a couple of them, and I've just been blown away by them. And uh, thank you. I want to see a hundred letters for Randy, and uh, we want to do this because at the end of the day, he's our brother, amen? He's our brother, and I believe that God has changed Randy. I believe he's changed him like he changes all of us, amen? I went to go visit Randy on Thursday and spent some time with him, and uh, I got to tell you, He's witness to more people in two days than I have in a year. We um, Somehow, out of this, we're going to get a jail ministry. And I said, Randy, I don't have time for this. He goes, don't worry, Pastor, it'll work out. He's like counseling me. And he says, Pastor, everyone I talk to, I'm talking about Jesus. And everybody's going to just expect people to show up at your church because they're getting out of jail and they're going to want to come to the church. I said, well, that's great. That's awesome. Bring them. Amen. And so we're going to welcome prisoners in our church, aren't we? Amen. We're going to do that because you know what? That's what church is. If you're looking to go to a church where everybody's perfect, that's not a church. That's a country club. Okay? Nobody's perfect here. We all have a past. All of us do. All of us have a past. We're here to love the unlovable because that's what Jesus did. If Jesus could forgive the Pharisees who put him on the cross, then we can forgive people. Amen? And so as I was talking with Randy, he just was sharing his love for you, how much he misses you, how much he obviously misses his family. And I would encourage you to go visit him. And I think that needs to be worked out. You can talk to Helen about the details. But, uh, and, and I would also encourage you to lift up Helen because she's She's doing it on her own right now, and so we love you, Helen, and we're here for you, okay? You're, you're part of us, okay? Actually, we love Champ and Mia, but that's fine. We'll deal with you. <laughs> I'm just joking. We love you, and so we're going to support this family, amen? We're going to support Randy. We're going to support people who need us, even if they don't think they need us. We're going to love on them, and so I'm not going to mean to embarrass Helen, but if you have some extra food in your house, maybe you want to drop it by Okay? Maybe diapers. Maybe you want to drop it by. Amen? You guys get where I'm going with that? We take care of our own, don't we? We take care of people. That's what churches do. Last year, I don't know if I've shared this with you. By the way, up on the announcement, that's the address if you want to take a picture of it. Last year, this church gave $17,000 to missions. 
$17,000. The significance is our entire money that we raised was $210,000. That's how much you gave. So nearly 10% of what we, what we raised and what you gave went to missions. That means it doesn't come to me. It goes straight to missions. Not that any money like that comes to me. I don't mean to imply that. But isn't that awesome how you reach out and you give to missions? Isn't that amazing? 17,000. Let me, and so Will, Will does a great job explaining this, but let me give you more detail. We helped the Pakistani Church of God recover from thugs who burn Christians' homes down. We helped rebuild their homes. We did that. We did that. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be meeting with the Pakistani overseer in July. Him and I are going to have a meeting. We're going to talk about how this church can help them, possibly even go over there. I don't know yet. My wife doesn't like that idea. But we're, we want to help churches that need something. Amen? We're helping this orphanage down in, in uh, Guatemala. And uh, those are just some of the things that we're doing. We're going to have a mission Sunday here sometime in March. We're going to, the money that we raise is going to go specifically towards missions. But I want you to understand that you're making an impact. And this is something that my wife and I have done. We made a, I don't say this to brag. I just want you to understand how important it is to give. My wife and I made a conscious decision that we were going to start giving 10% more in our offering. 10%. I'm not going to tell you what that amount is because it doesn't matter. Because I, I got a little bit of a raise and I said, we're going to give part of that back to God. More than just our tithe, we're going to give part of that back to God. And can I tell you, since we've been doing that, God has blessed us. God has blessed us. He's been answering prayer. And so some of you are holding on to that money and say, God bless me, then I'll give. And that's not how it works. Amen? That's not how it works. God says, give and it shall be given unto you. So when you take that step of faith, see, and pastors get up and say, give 10% because that's your tithe. Well, we're supposed to do that. Anything above and beyond that's a blessing. And we give beyond that. We give to missions. We give to this. We give to that. We give to this. And I say that because I'm trying to model for you about what it means to give to God. Some people tell me, well, pastor, I don't believe in giving just 10%. Amen. Neither do I. I think we should give more. Amen. I think we should give more. You can, and I'm going to tell you, you can ever, never, never outgive God. Amen? You can ne- I want to see that again. You can never, ever, 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 ever outgive God. Because God is faithful. And if you don't believe me, try it. Try it and see what happens. You know, people who give, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like we got this little secret between us, but it doesn't have to be. You can share in that secret too. And I want you to understand that the more you give, the more God blesses. He just does. He blesses you, not just with money, but just life. He blesses you with life. Your clothes don't wear out. Your car doesn't wear out. He just blesses you, amen? I want you to understand that what that means is to give to God. We give to Him because that's an act of worship. So thank you for your giving. Amen? So last week, we talked about the fascinating and exciting subject of fasting. Woo! (laughs) So guess what? Part two. We're going to talk about it again. But instead of talking about how to fast, 
it's time to talk about what happens next. It's time to talk about stepping into that spiritual authority that comes with fasting. It's time to step into your spiritual authority. It is time for you to start taking down those strongholds in your life. Amen? It is time for the church to stop, to start taking down those strongholds that are in this city. Amen? It is time for us as a collection of believers to lift one another up, cast out demons, save the sick, save the lost, heal the sick. It is time... It is time for us to be the church. The church in the first century understood that. Paul walked by and just his shadow would cause people to be healed. Brothers and sisters, we need to get back to that spirituality. We need to get back to that holiness. We need to get back to that righteousness. Now this message makes people uncomfortable because it means you have to change. Pastor, why do I have to change? Well, tell me, the way that you are, what is it doing to improve your life or the lives of others? It's not, is it? People around you are still sick. People around you are still dying. People around you are still hurting. You are the agent of the Holy Spirit, amen? It is time for us to step up and realize that in these hands is the healing power of God, amen? In these hands is the healing, wonderful, glorious power of God. But I need to be able to release that, don't I? I need to be able to release that, and I can't release it if there's sin in my life, or my flesh is in control of my life. So you cannot sin, but your flesh can be in control, can it? In Matthew 17, verse 21, let me read this scripture to you, and I'm going to explain it more in just a moment. You've heard the scripture. It says, however, this kind, this is a demon, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, I pray that most of you fasted at least one time this week, and you probably noticed when you fasted, you probably noticed that the worst things about you came out, didn't they? Like if you're struggling with anger, then that came out. You are angrier than ever. If you struggle with lust, then that came out worse than ever. If you struggle with greed, that came out worse than ever. You know why? Because it was starving and it was manifesting because it wanted to be fed. Fasting brings out the worst in you because it shows you who you are. That's tough, isn't it? We don't like to see, we don't like to realize who we are. We like to use these rose-colored glasses. I'm okay, you're okay, we're okay. We're not okay, amen? We're not okay. Pastor, why are you always saying we're not okay? We're not. We're only saved by the blood of God, amen? The blood of Jesus is what's reconciled us and brought us back to the cross, but there's still a process of cleansing, amen? See, the problem is, brothers and sisters, even after we get saved, a lot of us let the flesh reign in our hearts. Paul says this in Romans, therefore, do not let sin, and what's that word right there? He says, do not let sin reign 
in your motor bottle that you should obey it in its lust. You know what that word reign means? That word reign implies a kingdom. That word reign means that there is a king, and the king dictates how things should be done. If you are a part of a kingdom, you have to listen to the king and obey everything the king says. If the king says, do this, you do it. And guess what? You can't have two kings, can you? You can't have two kings. So if your flesh reigns in your mortal body, that means your flesh tells you what to do. That means your flesh controls you. That means your flesh has authority over you. Can you explain to me as believers how that's good? It's not, is it? Well, the Bible talks about bringing the flesh under subjection. You see, I understand this because I'm not supposed to have sugar. But sugar calls out to me. <laughs> sugar calls out to me. Keith. And I said, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> Keith. And about the third time, I'm like, okay, I give up. <laughs> My daughter was so wonderful. She bought me that triple fudge brownie thing. She's, dad, I, I got you something. And I says, oh, you have cursed me today. And I said, I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to eat it. And finally, I saw them eating it. And I had to have a bite. And I took one bite, and I'm like, oh, man, I felt like my sugar level was like 5,000, right? Because it's bad for me, isn't it? That fudge brownie won the argument for my body last night because I let my body and my flesh dictate something that was not good for me, amen? In the same way, brothers and sisters, we let our flesh dictate our pleasures, don't we? As a matter of fact, if you notice in America today, everything is about receiving pleasure. I just want to relax, and relax means we sit in front of a TV and we're entertained, aren't we? We watch Netflix, we watch Hulu, we watch whatever program is out there because we just want to be entertained. That is appealing to the flesh. I'm not saying entertainment's a bad thing, but when it consumes you, when it dominates you, and it keeps you from the Word of God, it becomes an idol, doesn't it? When something keeps you from the word of God, when something keeps you from God, that reigns in your heart, amen? Brothers and sisters, listen, we need to not, a lot of times we talk about, well, what should I do, what should I do? We need to focus on the church body as a whole, amen? What if the church stood up and said, I'm not gonna let my flesh be reigned by anything but by God, amen? It's gonna take more than one person for revival. It's going to take all of us to have revival. Amen. It's going to take my brother. It's going to take my sister. It's going to take everybody. It's going to take the small kids. It's going to take our elders. It's going to take our youth, our young adults. We need revival, and it comes through us when we push the plate back. Amen. Amen. Pushing the plate back. Now listen. When I say pushing the plate back, I understand what that means because, I mean, look at me. I'm fat. Amen. I love food. There's very little food that I don't like. Well, there's some food I don't like, like okra and tomatoes. That's not of God right there, I'm going to tell you. Amen. Does anybody here like tomatoes? You need to repent. You need God in your life. Amen. 
Now, I can eat salsa and ketchup and all that, and that's okay, but just not tomatoes, okay? But we need to push that plate back. We need to deny ourselves. And then, and then there's something that amazing happens. Is that flesh, that sin that reigns in our hearts, no longer has a hold on you. Can I say that again, brothers and sisters? When you push the plate back and you say, I'm going to deny my flesh that tendency, that trait. How many of you have been told your whole life, or you're just like your father, or you're just like your mother, you act just like them? That's a problem that we have in our family. We just like that. If you if you get angry or you have those tendencies, that's just a family inherit or family trait. You got it from the generation. We need to break some of those things, don't we? We need to break some of. Them. Listen, I I fully respect the ones that come before us, but if they didn't act right, we need to stop being like that. Amen. We need to act the way that we should act, and maybe for our children, we set a better example, don't we? Maybe for our children, they're the ones who break free and and start the revival because they saw a mom or a dad who loved God with all their heart and was willing to say no to their past, amen? Don't just sit there and say, well, it's who I am. No, it's not who you are. That is your sinful flesh trying to take over. It is not who God intended you to be. It is time for us to realize that God has made you into a warrior. God has made you into an army. God has made you into something, amen? And I believe with all my heart that God has called the Glacier Valley Church of God to reach the drunk. God has called the Glacier Valley Church of God to reach the transgender. God has called the Glacier Valley Church of God to reach the prisoner, amen? God has called the Glacier Valley Church of God to reach the rejected, the ones who have been hurt, the ones who have been molested, the ones who have fear. God has called the Glacier Valley Church of God to reach the unwanted, amen? I just want to go to church where I can exist, that I can tell you this is the wrong church for you. Well, you never heard a preacher say that, did you? Listen, I love you, but man, we're going to be reaching people. We're going to be touching people. We're going to reach through unwanted. Okay, is that okay with you? Because there was a time that you were unwanted. Amen? There was a time that you needed somebody. And we're here to wrap our arms around you. And then once we do that and you get healed, you're going to join us. And you're going to wrap arms around somebody because we love everybody. Amen? We even love politicians. That's tougher. <laughs> but we're going to believe that God's going to do something. Amen? Yeah. We're believing that God's going to do something. We talked about fasting and how to fast. But we're going to talk about, as I said, what fasting accomplishes. Because I don't know about you. If I'm giving up a meal, it better mean something. Amen? Amen? Amen. If I'm giving up some french fries... Some McDonald's? Wait, I'm going to do that anyway. Never mind. So this story that I talked about here in the opening, this relates to a story that happened to Jesus. Jesus had just gone through this transformation. He, the Bible says he was transfigured. In other words, his mortal body 
began to shine with the glory of God. Isn't that amazing? He was, in essence, he was pure light. And then Moses and Elijah appeared and they began talking. Wouldn't that have been an amazing conversation and listening on that? Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus, right? Wouldn't that have been awesome? I would have loved to have been there. Peter was there and he says, hey, we should build you a tabernacle. Peter, he didn't know what he was talking about. Peter always stuck his foot in his mouth, didn't he? I'm glad none of us do that. And so he was there, and he was, you know, struggling, and he didn't know what to say, and they didn't know how to handle it. And brothers, can I tell you right now, when the glory of God shines through you, people don't know how to handle it? Can I tell you right now, when the glory of God shines through you, and you become so full of his glory, people don't know how to handle it? Amen? They're not responding to you, they're responding to the glory of God. They're not responding to you, they're responding to the glory of God. I'm listening to Randy, he's telling me he was just reading his Bible in his bed and somebody walked by and says, what are you reading? The Bible? And he proceeded to win him to Christ. I was like, man, Randy, quit. You're going to get ahead of me. Listen, I don't... I'm not about to say Randy went to jail for those reasons. I I don't know. We don't know the reason for that. But what I can tell you is Randy's using what he has in the moment that he is. Can I tell you that? Randy's using what he has in the moment that he is. And that's all God wants from us. Amen? God wants us to be faithful when everything around us is lost. Amen? And I would tell you that Randy's doing that. But what happens if the church of God did that? Amen? What if we did it with one voice and one, one passion? But as he came out to the real world, so to speak, he went in town, down into the valley and there was a desperate father. There was a desperate father because the disciples were with him and this father was struggling because the Bible says that this young man, that there was a demon, he recognized it as a demon trying to kill this young man. He would, he would throw the young man into the fire by the way, this is in Matthew chapter 17, if you want to read it for yourself. I don't have time to read all the scriptures. He would throw him into the fire. The boy would throw him into the fire, and the boy, then the boy would throw, be thrown into the water. He would go between the water and the fire. The fire and the water. He was from one extreme to the next. Does that not express this generation right now? Does that not express this generation right now? They don't even know what they believe. They're just offended at everything. Come on now, we can say yes. They're just offended at everything, right? This is this generation right now. They don't know what they believe. They're always, they're thrown in the fire, they're thrown in the water. Not, not everybody is like that. I'm speaking in generalities, amen? And the father was desperate. He says, I'm gonna lose my son if you don't do something. And see, the disciples, they couldn't do anything. The disciples, they tried and they couldn't heal him. The, the man who says that, he says, I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't do anything. And I thought, my God, if that's not the church today, I don't know what is. Amen? I went to church. I went to church and nothing happened. Oh, God. I don't know if you guys just felt that. I went to church and nothing happened. Nobody talked to me. Nobody cares about me. I went to church and I prayed and nothing happened because the Spirit of God is not in that place. 
Am I a little angry? Yes, because the Spirit of God needs to be where we are right now. Amen? The Spirit of God needs to dictate what we're doing, not some program, not some ideation of who I am. It is not here to lift me up on my latest book. That was a little direct, wasn't it? It's not here to lift me up. It's not here for you to worship me. It is us as one body, one voice, one church to raise up and worship the name of Jesus. Amen. It is we are here to praise the name of Jesus. In Matthew 17, 16, he says, So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. They didn't have the authority, did they? They didn't have the authority. Here are the things we know about what happened. First of all, and I mentioned this, it was this demonic spirit. This demonic spirit was so powerful that it could control the child and even tried to kill him. The disciples could not do anything about it. And third, if you read this, Jesus treated it like it was no big deal. You know what Jesus said? He says, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long am I going to be with you? Bring the boy to me. Boom, it's done. The disciples are like, well, wait a minute. We couldn't do it, and you just said it, and Jesus like, it's no big deal. We make such a big deal over demons and everything. Demons are nothing, okay? You, have, you don't need to be afraid of demons unless you're having dinner with them. Everybody hear what I just said? If you're hanging out with demons and trying to be friends with them, then you should be afraid of them. But if you come in the authority and the power of Jesus Christ, they're afraid of what you have. Amen? They're afraid of who you are. They're afraid of this church right now. Amen? <laughs> seventeen, seventeen. he says, And then Jesus answered, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And that's what God wants. Bring him to me. Bring him to me. Bring him to me. When I say me, I mean Jesus. So I ever thought, ever since I started thinking about this message, I kept thinking this. And maybe you've thought it too. Can we just be honest and transparent for a moment? Can we be real for a moment? You know me well enough. I say things that a lot of preachers don't say. But I like to be real. Why aren't people getting healed? Why aren't people being delivered? Why are people walking out of this church hurt and in chains? Why are people struggling? Why are people unable to let go of their hurt and their pain? Why, 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 why? Am I the only one that's thought that? Can I tell your brothers and sisters, until we as a body come together and we say these two words, are you ready? No more. No more. 
In other words, we're not just focused on ourselves. We're not focused on whether or not I'm going to get a blessing. We're not focused on whether I'm not going to be able to worship or my favorite song's going to be sung. But we are focused on the brother and the sister around us. We're focused on them being lifted up. We're focused on fasting for them. We're focused on ministering to them. We're focused on them seeing Jesus at that moment. We're focused on everybody but ourselves. And it's amazing when that happens, what God begins to do in a church. God begins to move because we're not worried about ourselves. I'm more worried about the person beside me than I am myself. You see, a lot of us aren't there because we're so focused on our problems, aren't we? See, I hear that. I hear that. I hear I hear us talking about our own problems. I hear us talking about things that we're going through. I hear us talking about things. I, I, I. But I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, where we become the church that God has called us to be is I'm more focused and you are more focused on someone else's problems. When they're hurting, we focus on them not just one time, but all the time, amen? All the time. And I realize some of you are hurting, and I'm not meaning to diminish that. But even Jesus, when he was on the cross, when Jesus was on the cross in pain and hurting, he reached out to God the Father and says, hey God, see these Pharisees down here who put me to death? Forgive them for they know not what they do. Even Jesus did that in the midst of his pain, the worst imaginable pain we can imagine. He did that for us. Brothers and sisters, can we not do that for each other, amen? Can we not reach out to the drunk on the street? Can we not reach out to the prisoner? Can we not reach out to the hurting? Can we forget about ourselves for a moment? A lot of people say, well, I'm fasting because I'm trying to solve a problem in my life. That's not what fasting is about. Fasting is about loosening the bonds, amen? Fasting is about saving the lost. Fasting is about bringing about a spiritual renewal in people. Fasting is about winning people to Christ, the unwinnable, amen? Casting out demons, that's what it's about. Sometimes we fast in selfishness. I'm going to make God do what I want him to do because I'm going to go without food. Can I tell you what you accomplished? You went without food. You accomplished nothing spiritually. That's kind of a harsh thing, isn't it? You accomplished nothing spiritually. My job, your job, when we fast, is we bring about change, Amen. See, it's not just fasting, it was prayer too. Remember what he said, this kind comes out by nothing by prayer and fasting. Fasting gives us spiritual authority that we've never experienced before. Fasting sends us forth, Acts 13, 2 through 3. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. See, some of you are called by God and you need to be separated, but there needs to be a fast called for that. Then having fasted and prayed, laid hands on them and sent them away. Fasting breaks the chains. Isaiah 58, 6, is this not the fast I have chosen to, what's that word? What? What, is, what, is, what does loose mean? What? What? 
Mason, go get that little yellow chain back there. Back there. Time for an object lesson. I used to be a youth pastor, so I'm all about object lessons, okay? Now, this is kind of a, this is kind of a mes- I didn't tell you to go. Come here. Here's my object lesson. Here is my object lesson, okay? This is not really a strong chain, but it represents this, okay? A lot of us, a lot of our family, put your hands out. Out. Okay, together. All right, there you go. A lot of us, our family is like this. Pretend you can't break that, okay? I know you're super strong, okay? He's a yo-yo pastor. A lot of our families like this. They're so hindered. They're so hindered. They can't do anything. Try raising your hands to worship. It's hard to do, isn't it? He's worshiping, but not, not fully, right? Try shaking somebody's hand. Now nah, you can't do it. <laughs> You're not supposed to help me, okay? <laughs> you see the hindrance there? There's people in our church that are like this. We need to quit worrying about ourselves and really worry about the people in this body. There are families right now in crisis in this church. Oh, trust me, I know all about it. And there may be a couple that I don't know because they're not willing to talk to me. But the Lord proclaimed a fast so that there would be freedom, that we would loose the bonds. Are you hearing me this morning? So every time I pray, every time I pray, every time I see God, it gets a little looser. Every time I seek God again, it gets a little looser. Every time I seek God, and now he can raise his hand and worship God. Do you see what the Lord is doing this morning? Thank you, Mason. This is not what God wants for his church. This is not what God wants for your family. Matter of fact, what did Jesus tell Lazarus when he rose him from the dead? He brought him back to life, but there's one thing that he said that was important. He said, loose him and let him go. This is what God wants to do to the Glacier Valley Church of God this morning. He wants to loose you and let him go, amen? He wants to do that to your family this morning. He wants to loose you and let you go. Fasting breaks the power of the enemy. I love this story. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hazazan Tamar, which is En Gedi. Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. Man, we just need to seek God. And proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. You know what happened? The Lord said, send the singers first. I'm only giving the first few verses. He said, send the singers. The number of the army was well over probably three or 400,000 people coming against Israel. 
And the Lord said, sing the singers first. Now, can you imagine if you were in the choir and Jehoshaphat came and said, hey, I need you to be the first one in battle. What? <laughs> Ezra, you and Cheyenne, first up. Ezra's like, yeah. Cheyenne's like. Yeah, they sent the singers out, right? And what happened? You know the story? God defeated the enemy, but because they fasted. They fasted. When you fast, Carol, come on, please. When you fast, the power of God now reigns in your body. Okay? Are you hearing me? The power of God now reigns in your body. The power of God now reigns in your body. The power of God now reigns in your body. And it's no longer, it's no longer, it's no longer about what the enemy is doing. It's about what you're doing to the enemy. Oh, praise God. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being chased down by the enemy and put into fear. I'm tired of our church people suffering against things in their life and being, being defeated and defeated by demonic forces. First of all, like I said earlier, if you're having dinner with the demon, you need to kick them out of your house, okay? Don't have dinner with them. They're not nice. They're there to take over your life, okay? If you got things in your home like scary movies that have demonic things in it, you need to get rid of that. That's kind of obvious, right? Oh, I love God, but I'm going to watch a demon movie. That don't make sense, okay? Besides, those movies portray demons as smart or tougher and bigger than God, and that's not true. There's actual demonic forces assigned to those things. You don't need that in your life, amen? But unless the church is willing to say, I don't want sin to reign in my body. I want God to reign in my body. I'm going to step out of those things. I'm going to no longer do that. I'm going to give myself to God. I'm going to give myself away. I'm going to give myself away. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love people. Do you know how hard it is to love people? Amen? It's hard to love people sometimes, especially when they're not be doing something they should be doing. Especially when they make you mad. But can I tell you that God's love for them never changed? It's time to love people. It's time to push away the dinner plate. And it's time to let Christ reign in our body. Wait a minute, Pastor, when I, when, I, when I gave my heart to God, didn't he come into my heart? Yes, but we just talked about how Paul said sin can reign in our mortal body. We can give our heart to God, but our bodies still belong to the flesh unless we deal with that. A lot of people don't believe that. They believe that you can sin and it's okay. God's already forgiven you. Well, Romans 6 and 7 say that's not true. We have to believe in God. Amen. I give myself away.
Thank you for listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.